It takes faith to be faithful. It really takes faith to be faithful. How can you be faithful to someone you don't trust? How can you be faithful to someone you don't believe in? It takes faith to be faithful to God. It takes faith to be faithful to God. Now, the enemy tries to sabotage that. The enemy tries to make sure that he does everything he possibly can to keep us from having faith and keep us from having uh, faith in God and to keep us from being faithful. That's what he tries to do. And we have to make sure that we are aware of that and we are not deceived. Another thing that he tries to do is to try to get you all entangled with everything you, that he possibly can get you entangled in so that you won't be faithful to God. Let's look in 2 Corinthians. Let's start there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Because many of us go through things that is going to take faithfulness to God to be able to get through it. We're flying colors. Verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. How many of us sometimes have lost heart in something, whether it be people, whether it be circumstances, whether it be in what we thought should happen? Sometimes we lose heart in the system or just in people. But Paul says here, since we have this ministry, and that it means service, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. God is calling us to lift our heads up in difficult situations. Verse 2, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world, now speaking of, of, of Satan now, the devil, the God of this world, the world system meaning, now, know that God is still in control. He, up, he upholds everything by the power of his word. Jesus does so. Uh, but he allows certain things to go on. And so it says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. So we know we have an enemy. And we know that enemy tries to blind eyes so that they, people won't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. Not only does he do it with the unbelieving, but he also tries to do it with the believers, with those who have given their lives to Jesus Christ. He tries to do that also. It says in verse 5, we, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Christ's sake. We are called to be bondservants for Christ's sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who 
has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, in this next part, seeking you identify with this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. It tells me that we all know that we are all human beings. We all go through things. And here Paul is saying to me that, that the treasure of the, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we have this treasure in these earthen weakened vessels that we uh, sometimes don't do what we should do or we have a hard time doing what we know to do. It says that so that God, when people see that we are, we are persevering, when he sees that we are successful, when people see that, they give glory to God. That's what it's saying. But then it says in verse 8, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Now, I know that you have been through some things and might be going through some things. God is saying here to us that even though we might be afflicted, even though we might be persecuted, even though we might be struck down, whether it be our job situation, whether it be in relationships, no matter what it is, He's saying, I'm not going to be crushed. I'm not going to be uh, in despair. I'm not going to be destroyed because Jesus Christ is my Lord and he loves me. And I'm going to keep my eyes on the glory of the gospel that shines in the face of Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. In verse 11, it says, For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may manifest in our mortal bodies. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, that's what's written in the Old Testament, in Psalm, we also believe, therefore we also speak. We need to speak out those things that we believe. We ought to speak out those things in agreement with what God's saying. Knowing that he who raised the Lord will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with him for all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. He says it again. But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day for momentarily, this light affliction is producing in us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. Regardless of what we go through, he's considering this a, a light thing. And we know that Paul went through a lot. We know that he was stoned. We know that he was drug out of the city as dead. But we know he got up and went right back into the city. We know that Paul went through a lot of things. He was shipwrecked. He was hungry. He was negative. Paul just went through a lot of things for the gospel's sake. But he says here that this light affliction, this momentary affliction, he says, is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Somehow Paul must have known something to get him through these things. I believe he had faith to be faithful. 
That's what I believe. He had faith in Christ Jesus. He had faith in the Word of God. And that kept him faithful to what he's been called to do. He says in verse 18, While we look not at the things which are seen, which might be uh, the stoning, which might be the uh, persecution, all all those things, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The not seen things are the things that are eternal things, things that he knows he's going to receive. I think we need to have that mindset. We need to have faith to be faithful. So that when we go through things, we can say like Paul, it's a momentary light affliction. Light affliction. Let's look over in another place. Let's, let's go to Revelation. We're going to skip over uh, Second Timothy. I was going to go there. Let's go to uh, Revelations. Let's go there. Don't you love Revelation? <laughs> it's, a, it's a book that says, you know, blessed is the person who read it and hears it. We're going to go to verse uh, chapter 22, the last, the last chapter in the book of Revelation. We're going to go there. And let's read that. Let's get a little idea of what's happening when he says what's not seen. The momentary afflictions uh, doesn't match up to the eternal way of glory that's going to happen. Now, he's already been shown, John has already been shown, the new Jerusalem, the bride coming down. In verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, Then he showed me, talking about the angel, he showed me a river of water of life. The river of water of life clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of his street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding his fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's hard for me to visualize that because you got a throne then you have water coming from the throne, and you have it as a river in the middle as a, in the middle of the street. It's a river. And on either side is the tree of life. And mo- most of the time, trees bear fruit once a year. Whether it be red delicious apples, this is not the season for red delicious apples. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's not the season for it. Uh, so they don't have it at, at Sam's Club. Uh, so <laughs> it's not the season. That's what they told me. It's not the season for. There's a season for fruit. But it says here, it's going to bear fruit, 12 kinds of fruit. What tree bears 12 kinds of fruit? I don't know any tree that bears 12 kinds of fruit. Do you? Apples. Pears, bananas, all that on one tree. One tree. And it's bearing it every single month. This is awesome. This is, he's talking about this, this um, momentary light affliction can't compare with the eternal glory that we're going to receive. Can you imagine that? 
Can you imagine that? In verse 3, it says, there will no longer be any curse. No curse. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bond servants will serve him. It says here, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no longer be any night, and they will not need any light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. And it says, and, they, and he said to me, these words are faithful and true, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bond servants plural, the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard these and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet (laughs) of the angel who showed it to me. Now, we know we don't worship angels, right? And it says in verse 9, but he said to me, do not, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and those who heed the words of, of this book. Worship God. So we know we always worship God. I don't care what kind of angel come. I don't care, how, I don't care if it was Gabriel. I don't care if it was, this, uh, you know, we worship God, right? We worship God. Worship God. This is, this is so awesome. Verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophets of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. And let the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep his, himself holy. So that let, let everybody keep doing it. You know, just let everything go on. But behold, it says in verse verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has, what's the word, done. God is into us doing good deeds. We were created to do good deeds. He's into that. We need to do that. Verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside, outside the gate, outside the city, are the dogs, not talking about the animals, talking about the people, and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practice lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. So it's for us too, isn't it? For the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit of the bride say come. 
And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who thirsts come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away the words of the book of of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. What do you say? Do you say come? Yes, come, Lord Jesus. Let's go back to verse 3 of 22. Let's dissect this a little bit. I wanted to read that, 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 uh, the whole chapter just to give you some idea of what's going on. If we read Re- Revelations, oh, there's some good stuff going on. There's some good stuff going on in, in heaven. In heaven. And it's going to be some good stuff going on when we get there. And he's saying that, that this, this momentary light affliction, what is light about being stoned and drug out of the city? As dead. What is light about being shipwrecked? Paul went through so much being persecuted. What is light about that? He says a light affliction. If you compare it now to the glory that's going to be ours in eternity. Because see, the, 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 the momentary, when you say momentary, I don't care if you live to be 900 and 99, if you live longer than Methuselah lived, it doesn't matter because it's, a, it's momentary. If you compare it with what? Eternity. Because eternity is how long? Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. When, when, when did God first begin? He didn't. He always was. Always was. He's eternal. When is he going to end? Never. He always will be. That's how long eternity is. It's forever. So anything, however long we live, is momentary compared to eternity. Whatever we go through here, is light affliction compared to the glory that's going to be in heaven. Oh, it's going to be glorious. From what I just read in Revelation, I was reading through the Bible, and I, I just finished reading Revelation. Was a, I went from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, it is awesome. I mean, there's some stuff that happens and you say, whoo, my goodness gracious, wow, my, my, my. God is up to something. And if he says he's coming quickly, when is coming quickly? <laughs> we don't know, do we? When we find out, it's going to be too late. Would that be probably right? When we find out he's coming, it's going to be too late because he's here. And we can't change nothing then. Let's look at verse 3 of chapter 22. 
I want to talk about five things today that, well, four of them is what we see taking place in heaven. And the fifth one, I think, will help us prepare for those things. There will no longer be any curse. Now, you also know, if you read the book of Revelation, you know it's not going to be in a pain. It's not going to be in a sickness. It's not going to be in a death. It's not going to be any of that stuff. So if you went out of here with arthritis, you can forget it. You're not going to have arthritis no more in heaven. If you went out with one leg, you know, because you had to amputate it, uh, when you, when you get there, we're going to have a new body. So you don't have to worry about that, that leg. Right? It's just that's the way it is. God is good. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bond servants will serve him. Now I see in here that's happening in heaven because he says this is this is what the angel showed John. The Apostle John, it says here that he showed him that the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in, 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 in this new Jerusalem. And his bond servants, who are bond servants? They are like doulosses. They are like slaves. They are like, uh, uh, they, they, they want to be slaves. In other words, they're not... Uh, they're not made to do anything. They're like the ones who chose to be with their master. And, you know, they put a hole in their ears so that everybody knows that it was by choice. It's by choice that we are, are servants of God. And it says here that his bond servants will serve him. So service is going to be going on in heaven. And if we're his bond servants, is there anybody here that's not a bond servant of Christ? So that means everybody here is going to be serving Christ. So we need to get used to serving, don't we? We need to get used to serving. That's important. Now let's think of that now. We need to get used to serving. Let's look at, let's hold our place right there because we're going to come back to it. In Colossians chapter 3, I think it's verse 22. Let's go there. And it says here, slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth. Now, this is talking about the slaves now. During that time, they did have slaves. Of course, they had free people too. But it says here that in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external, external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord. How does God want even slaves to serve? With sincerity of heart and not with what? Our service. Not as men pleasers. On your job, let's take it there. Are you supposed to serve because your principal is watching you? Or, you know, the department head or the head person so they come in and, and evaluate you, are you supposed to then have your lesson plans together? Are you supposed to then, you know, make sure you're teaching, uh, you know, and not sleeping with your head on your desk? What, uh, what 
are we serving for? Are we serving to please the man at work, John, uh, you know, James, are we, are we, do you serve to please him or do you serve to please the Lord? That's what we're asking because that's what God has called us to do, to please the Lord. That's what he called. Not to please myself. Because most of the time we are selfish, we are thinking about ourselves and we want to do a good job so that we will look good. Because that's what I wanted to do before I knew anything about Christ. I wanted to make sure I looked good because I wanted to win. Because if I won, then I look good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Is, is that correct? Yeah. If you're the top salesperson of your company, it makes you look good. You get the raises. You get the perks. You get all that. But God doesn't want us serving for us. He wants us serving for the fear of him, because we reverence him. He wants us serving not because people are watching us, but in order to please him. So it makes me, I don't care how little I'm getting paid, and you've heard that before. They don't pay me enough to, to, to be, uh, you know, doing all this. We heard that in, in your, on your job before. They expect me to do this. They expect me to do this. They expect me to do this. And, and they, they don't even want to give us a raise. I'm going to do as little as possible to get by. Right? Have you ever heard that before? Yeah. And you probably have said it before. Really? Especially if you're mad at somebody. <laughs> you know? And that's when you become men, please, because when the when the, when, the, when the ball is coming, then you perk up, you act like you know you're busy. That's not what God is calling Christians to do. Bond service, service we're going to serve Christ all the time, so we might as well start serving Christ now. That's what we might as well start doing, serving him now for his sake. So whatever I do, I'm going to do as unto the Lord. Is that correct? Let's look at it. Verse 23 of Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, if you are a volunteer to come work in a library at your school, whatever you do, I don't care, whatever you do, it says, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for men. And do you know sometimes we'll work harder for, for somebody we like than somebody we don't like? Now, we know that's true. Come on now. We know that's true. How many really wants to work hard for somebody who you know is a, a taskmaster like a boss? He's always on your case, always trying to find something on you, always... Uh, uh, giving, somebody, giving somebody else all these accolades and give you nothing when you the one did the work anyway. Uh, you don't want to work hard for that person. But if somebody you like, you will work hard. You'll do a great job. That is not a Christian, what God called us to do. God is calling us to do whatever we do. You do it as unto the Lord. You make sure that 
the Lord gets your best. That's what he's asking us to do. The Lord gets our best. I don't care how much we're getting paid, how much we're not getting paid. I don't care if we're volunteering. I don't care what it is. You do it as if the Lord asked you to do it. Because actually, actually, the Lord is, is we, we are the body of Christ. And everything we do, we're supposed to do as unto the Lord. Let's go a little further. Knowing, why, why do we want to do this rather than for men? Men can give you raises. Men can give you perks. They can give you a vacation in Hawaii if you make enough sales. They can do a lot of things, right? But what, what does God say? Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Woo, my goodness gracious. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he do, he's done, and that without partiality, because God is not partial. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. So, so those who are employers is not getting off. By, you know, saying, hey, you know, we had to cut back. So what we're going to do, we're going to cut out 10 positions, and then we're going to spread all the work of these 10 people with the fifth that is left, but we're not going to give you any more money. See, that's not right. That's not right. See, masters, those who are employers, they have to, they have to answer to God, too. You say, suppose they're not Christian. They're going to answer to God anyway. Every knee going to bow. Every tongue going to confess. Let's go back to chapter 22 of Revelations. The next one. That's number one. I told you I'm going to give you five. The second one is, they will see, in verse 4, they will see his face. And his name will be on their forehead. And that, when I, when I saw that, it speaks of, really, that we're going to be in the presence of, of the glory of God. We are going to be, we're going to have intimacy with God. God wants intimacy with us. And, 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 and he's not going to accept anything less than intimacy either because he bought us with the price, the price of the precious blood of, of Jesus Christ. So he wants intimacy. And when you see him face to face, that speaks of intimacy. You know, and, and, and what say, we'll, we'll see him as we, we'll know him as we have been known. We're going to see him face to face. The only person talked to him face to face was Moses. Because he said, you know, I speak to Moses face to face, but to Miriam and, and you, Aaron, I don't speak to you. I speak to you in dreams and, and all that kind of stuff. But then he says, no one has seen my face. <laughs> Let's go a little bit further. And there will be, number three, number one was we're going to be serving, so we might as well practice serving God here. We're going, we're going to be intimate with him. We'll see him face to face, so we need to start being intimate with God here, don't we? You don't want to, be, don't want to have a distant relationship with God. You want to be, have an intimate relationship because we're going to have it there. Here's another thing, the third thing we're going to have when we get there. And there will no longer be in a night. And they will not need, have any need for 
the light of a lamp. So you don't have to turn on no electric switches. We don't need a light. Nor the light of the sun. We don't need the sun. We won't need the moon. Because the Lord God will illuminate them. Turn over to Revelation 21, 22 right there. And let, let, let me show you something. It says, I saw the temple in it. Talk about New Jerusalem. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. Why not? We're going to have to have light, aren't we? The glory of God has illuminated it, and the lamp is the Lamb. Can you imagine how bright it's going to be when you know New Jerusalem is about 15, about, about 1,500 miles, about 1,500 miles in width, height. Can you imagine the brightness of, of, of God being so bright that it shines and nobody needs any light for 1,500 miles? That's a, long, that's a long way, isn't it? So we, we need to be in the presence of the Lord now, don't we? We need to practice his presence. We need to practice being in the light because that's going to that's gonna be there now. We don't want to, we're, not, we're not children of darkness. We're children of the light. We need to practice being in the light. Four. And they will reign forever and ever. And he can keep going with it forever and ever and ever and ever. So how long will we be, we be reigning? Forever. How long is forever? Forever. We're going to be reigning. Raining. If we're going to be raining forever, what do you need to be practicing now? Raining. Raining. Not R-A-I-N, because you can't rain. <laughs> but you can rain. You know? So we need to practice raining, because he is raining. Does, Christ, does, does God rain? You know the old song. Is this the old song? The Lord reigns. Y'all know that song? Yeah. <laughs> Does it rain? Are we the body of Christ? Or is our life hid with Christ in God? Well, then we rain. We need to practice raining. Because we're going to rain. Another thing we need to practice, the fifth thing, that's, that's four. One is, number one was we're going to practice serving, right? Now, our service from now on, it's going to go to a different level, isn't it? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it again because y'all didn't hear me. <laughs> y'all, did, y'all did not hear me. <laughs> From now on, our service is going to go to a different level, isn't it? Amen. On your job, in your home, if, if, if your wife asks you to do the dishes, you're, going, you're, going, you're, going, you're not going to miss no spots if you're supposed to do the grass. You, you're going to make sure that thing looks good. You're not going to leave, uh, you know, you have a... Uh, cut the grass in about two weeks and, you know, it leaves all clunks everywhere, you know. That doesn't look good. So you, you, need, to get, you need to rake it if you're going to leave clunks or, or have a bagger. You need to bag a thing. You know, you're going to do everything you do, you're going to do as unto the what? Lord. If you volunteer at school or you volunteer at, at the Boy Scouts or whatever you volunteer to do, you're going to do it well, right? 
If you're working in the in the uh, church, you're gonna you're gonna everything's volunteer based. You're gonna do what? You're gonna do it well, aren't you? Aren't you? Yeah. Because we know that hey, there's God has a reward on His hand, and and we're supposed to be we're gonna be answering for the deeds we've done in His body, and we're gonna be serving back then. So that's one and two. We said that. Um, there's, there's, we're intimate, so God wants intimacy. He wants us to be in the light as he is in the light. We know it's not going to be in the light in heaven except for the light of the, of the Father and the Son. And we know that we're going to be reigning forever, so we're going to practice here. And number five is that we need to be faithful to where God plants us because that's where he's going to work out all the stuff in our lives. He will work it out wherever he plants. He plants you at a job. He plants you in a family. He plants you. So, so don't try to be, get rid of your family. Don't try to get rid of your, you know, uh, <laughs> your wife and your wife. Get rid of the husband and the children. Get rid of the parents. Don't try to get rid of, rid of each other because God's going to use that to help you. He's going to help you on your job. You know, everything's not going to go well on your job. That's okay. God's going to help you to move you from a, one level to another level. And also in the church, it's the same thing. He wants you to be faithful where he plants you because wherever he plants you, you are going to flourish. You are going to flourish. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me, uh, we, we, could go to, we could go to Psalm 92, but I don't want to go there. Uh, it reminds me of um, last year. I don't know about what time was. When is your birthday, Chad? It was, it was around the week after your birthday, I think it was. Uh, because you came over doing my bir- doing your birthday, because Jennifer told me to keep you busy uh, until, until they got the surprise ready for you, and so you helped me cut down stuff and that. Well, we didn't finish because we had to get over to the to the place over here. And then the next day, that was on a Saturday. Was that on Saturday last year? Uh, and then the next day, the Castros came came to my house. You remember that? You came to my house, and Beth did something that I looked at and I said, Woo! My goodness gracious. Beth cut our nice looking bush. She cut it down. I mean she cut it down and it won't number but you know how you cut the thing down, don't you, Beth? <laughs> Wait a minute now. See now now you're trying to now you're trying to dispute me. See that? <laughs> Come on, be humble then. Come on. <laughs> That bush looked good. It had flowers that looked nice, you know, it looked nice. You know, it looked straggly, but it looks nice. Huh? It had flowers on it. Guess what, Beth? That thing, I said, I said, you know what? I don't know whether I'm ever called Beth over here to trim my bushes off. No <laughs> we, we ain't getting no flowers that spring. I said, man, we ain't getting no flowers on this thing. Oh, it's dead, bro. It's dead, yeah. That thing, Beth, you ought to go start and see it now. That thing looks beautiful. You know, it starts it start budding. It, it's all, man, the flowers look brighter. It is more wider. It looks good. I said, I'm going to call Beth over here to trim some more. You, know? <laughs> you knew what you were doing. I'm saying you knew what you were doing, you know. Um, but but that, that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. That bush was planted. Suppose I would say, you know what, I'm going to take this. I'm going to uproot this thing. I'm going to move it somewhere. I'm going to move it somewhere because uh, it's dead where it is. Then I would have killed it. You know, God usually uproots when he's going to destroy something. You know, in, 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 the, God, in, in the 
prophets, he said, I'm going to, uh, God sent me to uproot, to <laughs> tear down. But see, that's because they were in sin. But then he says later, but I'm going to plant. And I'm going to see, because he said he's going to do something good. Okay, you don't uproot things. God don't use to uproot. Well, see, when he plants you in a house of his, then he expects you to flourish because he has flourishing for you. If you'll stay there through adversity, you got to stay through adversity because adversity is going to be everywhere. Believe me. I want to call Lord Fox up uh, because, Lord, I want to give a, um, somebody who has a real example of something. Um, Lord has a real example. Um, I told Lord this morning I would call him a front and center. Okay. Now, um, I've been knowing you for a long time, right? Correct. You uh, Coach. Okay. Uh, when I first saw you, it was probably where? You were laying in the hall at Lincoln Junior High School. Probably. <laughs> um, I was laying in the hall, um, busting my head open. Uh, had to get seven stitches in gym class. Yeah, and I was so nice and friendly and everything. <laughs> he was so nice. He said, there goes another hard head. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been knowing Lord a long time. And, and how long have you been in this particular church called, uh, there was Planet Faith Christian Fellowship, then we changed the name to Cornerstone Community Church, and that's what we are now. How long have you been in this ministry, Lord? Um, I've been here attending over 30 years. Okay. Why have you stayed faithful in this ministry? You've been through every pastor. The first pastor you were here, well, he planted the church, then the next pastor, then the next pastor, then a half a pastor, and then me. <laughs> I don't say to have a pastor only because uh, he was pastoring for uh, two weeks, something like that. That's why I say have a pastor. But, but it's through five pastors, really, you, you've been here. Why have you stayed during that time? I know everything hasn't been hungry over, probably, you know. You know tell, 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 tell the congregation because I want Lord to, to kind of teach you because there's wisdom in experience, isn't there? There's wisdom Amen. in gray hairs, right? Okay. Amen. Okay. Now, I got some. I got some. I got some gray hairs, you know, uh, just a few. So I'm trying to gain wisdom. I'm trying to gain wisdom from above, okay? Uh, teach our young people and people, you know, that, that might be going through some things. Uh, you know, why have you stayed here? Uh, it's probably been all hunkadori, though, probably. <laughs> um, not all, but um, it goes back to the beginning when I first came here. Um, after I got saved, I was praying to God um, where he wanted me to go to church. Because uh, I knew some people, and uh, they said that's a very important part of your salvation is where you attend church. So I, I prayed, and um, through circumstances of job out of GE, I met Sam Dulcy, and he uh, invited me to come here. And um, I knew that was God working. You know, through that whole situation, I knew that that was God. So I knew what coming here is where God wanted me to be at. And that was the key to everything that I've been through, knowing that where I was at is where God wanted me to be at. And I knew that even when pastors and circumstances and even personal life, the situation my personal life changed, that by God having me here, either he could have, he was uh, having me here for a reason. And it was either he was growing me, he could have been pruning me, or or to, grow, to bear more fruit or to help somebody or whatever the situation was. But I know that him having me here was for a reason. And 
until I heard him actually tell me to go and leave or go anywhere else, then I was going to stay until I heard that. So in situations I would seek God at times, and I've never had a, a, a confirming of leaving or, or doing anything like that. And in the process, he has um, pruned me and um, made me stronger, you know, through the storms of life and, um, you know, that, you know, brought fruit up in my life and things like that. That's good. Tell us also, uh, that that's church-wise, let's go to your job-wise. Have you ever had challenges in your job and your and, and uh, difficult situations that you probably want to quit there, you know. Uh, you were telling me about something this morning. Uh, so tell us about that. Because uh, a lot of yeah. people going through job situations. Yeah. You know? um, I've had a lot of different job changes. And um, my main thing with my jobs is being where God wants me to be. Just like being in church, you want to be where God wants you to be at on your job. Whatever you're doing, whether it's at the grocery store at 5 o'clock, if God wants you to be there, if you're there, then God's going to be there. Something's going to happen supernaturally because it's a spiritual thing. So on my job, I had an um, uh, encounter with God on one of my jobs, and I was commuting to um, – this, this is another situation. I was commuting to Washington, D.C. one way every day for – for a, for a period of time, that was like four hours one way. So it was it was worrying, and I knew that's not where I wanted to be. So I told God, I prayed to God, and He um, opened up a job for me to come here. So I came here, and I knew that was God because of everything that happened. But when I got here, the people I was working for were real harsh. You know, they were hard people to work for. And the first thing I wanted to do, because I had a, a buddy who. I could have worked with him, and it would have been a whole lot easier, but I knew that's where God wanted me to be at. So in that circumstance, I stayed in that situation, and it was not an easy situation to be in, but through that, God uh, did a work in my life, you know, as far as long-suffering and all the different things that he works in a person's heart. So I was able to endure that situation and, you know, become friends with the person who was hard, and um, I had growth in my life, and you know, he had growth in his life also. So I know God is um, bigger than the circumstance, the situation. What things look like on the outside is not always what's going on because God is a spiritual God, and he, he's doing something behind the scene, whether it's in your life. And I have people this day to come to me and say, man, I don't know how you stayed in that situation, but I know it had to have been God. And um, so he was doing, people were watching, you know, they saw what was going on. So God used that also. Wow, I didn't know about community DC. My goodness gracious, man. Yes. How about the one that you told me that you uh, went to Richmond and, and, and you were laying some blocks and then they got. Oh, um, well, I was um, just probably during the winter time, a job opened for me to work in Richmond. So I was commuting to Richmond every day from Lynchburg. And um, I was, I'm a, a mason by trade. And the, the job I was working on, they had me building a wall at this high school that was as long as this room is by myself. And um, I had probably one of the larger size blocks there are, you know, and um, they, we had a lot of rebar in the wall, so I had to physically pick it up over six feet high. And, um, you know, it was just a lot of other things with that, um, the type of block that I would use. They actually run out on, so they had to get a heavier block. So. It was a very physically demanding thing, and um, 
you know, it was very trying for me, you know, the time that I had, you know, commuting and then the physicality of the work and, you know, just all of that, you know. So it was it was very trying, but, you know, just praying um, God opened up a door where um, they needed some people here locally, and they, the guy said, oh, you're traveling the farthest, so what we're going to do, we're going to send you here locally. But just being faithful to that um, position there, you know, just staying in that, um, you know, God opened up that door. And um, financially, you know, he um, poured out a blessing where, you know, I, I couldn't contain it because it was more money and uh, all the work that I could ever want to work. I've, I've actually been having to work seven days, but I didn't work it all the time. But uh, it was just that door that he opened up. Wow. Awesome. Let's give the Lord a hand there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Praise God. It takes faith to be faithful. Because if 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 Lord didn't have faith in God during those times he was commuting to Washington D.C. and in uh, uh, the time he was uh, so be laying a regular block and they added larger blocks and then heavier blocks and I think he told me it was, it was the blocks were wet and made it heavier, had to lift the things. Uh, and he stayed faithful only because, because he had faith in God, that God put him there and God was going to bring him through. And that's what we have to have. We have to have faith in God to be faithful. That's what we have to have. To have. Not because we want to be faithful to look good, because of God. That's why we want to be faithful. Let's stand.